Hey, hi, this is TJ Pandora Tear here, otherwise known as Auntie Pan Pan to some of you folks out there. Hello, good evening. Ignore the Mercury retrograde hovering into the distance. Let's pretend he's just hanging out having tea somewhere. Tonight, we're going to talk to you about some of the things that family households used to do when I was growing up in the pagan community during Samhain or Samhain to some of you that pronounce it differently or Halloween just in general in a pagan home and then I'm going to talk about probably the one of the scariest ghost stories that I've ever endured that I was part of and I was a very youngling at the time and I had no idea what I was doing so just kick back let's all chill out together and let's just talk the talk and talk about some occulty walty things that are going on during the month of October okay okay see you in a minute back. So I wanted to talk tonight about some of the things that I did growing up during the time of Halloween. To some people it's called Samhain. I can't say too much about pronunciation of Samhain. It's S-A-M, Sam, S-A-M-H-I-A-N. You know, I can't even pronounce, I can't even spell it right now. <laughs> it's been a long day. Okay, so I would say, I can't say too much also. It is pronounced Samhain, but my sister, Domini, she had a tri-colored Australian border collie or Australian sheepdog, and she named it when she was a kid Sam Hain Wolfbane. So I'm like, well, if I've got a sister singer saying it's Sam Hain and other people that are friends of the family calling it Samhain, who am I to judge? Just call it Halloween, call it a day, and be happy with whatever you wish to call it. And just everybody needs to just mellow out if pronunciation isn't correct. So what did we do as a family for Halloween? Well, one of the big things we loved to do was set things on fire. Yeah, my Uncle Mike was a big fan of setting things on fire. My Uncle Mike was also a meat cutter, so we tended to have barbecues of all the things at Halloween going on outside. We would invite my mom's friends all over. My Aunt Diane would be there, my Uncle Mike, and... I didn't see Uncle O.C. after the 80s, 90s, but um, he was in Singapore. But my mom's friends, who I just didn't register into my own mind that they were just not more than friends, but her circle sisters. So interesting enough, growing up, you just don't realize things until, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense now. My Uncle Mike, oh my gosh, he loved to barbecue. He loved like working in the meat cutting. He was a meat cutter and he loved barbecuing all the things. So there was always some sort of fire going on in the backyard and everybody would like at night, they'd all like bundle around the fire and just chill out, you know, watching meat cook or cooking apples, things like that. You know, my uncle also loved to cook marshmallows and make s'mores. And, you know, that might not be a Halloween thing for everybody, but, you know, whatever. My Aunt Diane loved making chili. She was a big fan of chili. She'd make this big old, huge, like, copper pot full of chili. And that that survived so much. We, we were a big chili household. 
and she would make a big old pot of chili. My mom wasn't that big of a cook actually growing up. I ended up being the bigger cook in our family with my mom and me. Notice I don't talk about my dad. My dad was not a pagan. He was not into it. He was very Catholic and very kind of not open-minded for some of the things that all of us crazy side of the family were doing. But yeah, we would definitely have a backyard fire going if it was cool enough in the evening and barbecuing and then a big old plate of chili and corn muffins. Oh my God, I loved making corn muffins. I still do sometimes, once in a great while. There's, I was supposed to get my grandmother's corn muffin tin when she passed and my aunt Martha Ann got it and now she's passed so somewhere in space is my corn muffin tin to make corn fritters which I love to make with chili for Halloween so eh, somewhere I must go on a hunt now to find one to make one for a Samhain ritual circle gathering potluck and try to see if I can get it before Samhain so yeah a lot of chili, a lot of fire, a lot of barbecuing. It was nice. And pie. My mom didn't like to cook because she was usually working. She was a real estate appraiser for commercial real estate. And so she was exhausted all the time. So what she would do was buy a lot of pie or she would make a jello pie. And usually we would have pumpkin pie and different types of pies, apple pies. Some of her friends, some best friends would make apple pie or strudel and stuff like that. Whenever we were having parties, you did not starve. Let's just put it that way. And all of her friends would come. There was maybe the occasional drink or two or three, maybe four. I do remember there used to be cooked apples. Um, sometimes long ago, there used to be an apple farm out where we used to live near. And so we would go to the apple farm and pick up a whole bunch of apples. And when I moved to Illinois, it was really kind of nice. It was like homecoming again, picking apples out at the farms out there. There are apple farms out in California, by the way. You just have to kind of hunt them down to find them. So pick up cider. We would always have apple cider. I was a fan of hot cocoa, apple cider, and she would have like, my mom would have like all the crock pots going. And she would always tell me, honey, crock pots are the cauldrons of our future. And I was like, really? And now looking back on my life now, I'm going, yeah, cauldrons are the crock pot of our future. So there you have it. And so picking apples was a big thing. We would go to pumpkin patches and just go nuts. We would play around in the pumpkin patches, my sister and I. I don't know if she even remembers that stuff. I, I don't even know because she was so young. But yeah, we would definitely go to pumpkin patches and we would decorate the heck out of some of these pumpkins and we would have them on the front lawn. My uncle Mike, he would gut these poor pumpkins to make them all look like murder victims from like Friday the 13th or something. It was just frightening. <laughs> just kind of gooey and not complete. But we would also take the seeds out. And what I would do is I would cover the seeds up and put board, um, olive oil butter on them. And then I'd cook them after they had dried. I'd go and cook them myself. And we would have pumpkin seeds. Not often. I didn't do that all the time. But I did that a couple of times. But we get decorated like crazy. We would decorate the whole front of the house in cobwebbing and with lights and spooky, spooky music. 
and it was just creepy. And this was before you could just go to the store and like get a candelabra. No, we would just use like the candelabra we have hanging on the piano. Bear in mind, our house was kind of spooky to begin with and it was okay. Black lights on everything. Everything was dark and creepy and we had the spooky music going. Yeah, and kids would love to come to our place. They they knew the crazy people at the end of the cul-de-sac, that's where the cool stuff's at. That's where we're going. But we would get all dressed up in costumes. My, It was really funny because I was like, why are you dressed like witches again? And my mom was like, oh, it's something I found in the closet. Okay, just don't worry about me. I'm fine. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, it wasn't until later I realized this was like she was really letting her hair down and having a good old time doing it. One, t- one year she came as a butterfly. I was like, this is the most colorful I've ever seen her. And we were just... The, it was the most favorite time. It was my favorite time of the year. How lucky that I was born in my favorite month, right? So we would get costumed up. We would decorate the house. We would go to special events. My mom's um, circle sister and her, they would go to these like special radio parties kind of things that were going on. Sometimes occasionally, but not often, people would come to talk to my mom regarding doing oracle readings, but it was very, very rare during the month of October that she did anything like that. In fact, she usually saved stuff like that for like later on in the year, like November. But we hung out in graveyards and had picnics, totally had picnics in graveyards. Um, There was one out in Claremont, totally loved it. Nobody really cared because we cleaned up afterwards and we cleaned the areas too from any garbage that was going around. I remember my uncle and aunt and I, I don't even remember if my sister, you know, I don't even remember if Dominie was there, but we had picnics in graveyards and we would clean up afterwards and we would clean the cemeteries and, you know, make sure that they were cleaned up. And it was a really kind of kick, chill cool kind of thing to do I guess and just kind of hang out in the cemeteries and chilling out um let's see there was one thing I really did want to talk about was that my mom this was a big thing and I hope that you guys may learn something from this is that every Halloween at Samhain, my mom would do what was called Letters to the Dead. I didn't know what she was doing at first until my Basset Hound died. And the first loss that I physically had felt that died was my Basset Hound, Katie, who died under mysterious circumstances, and that's where I go with that. But that was one of my first big losses was my Basset Hound. And my mom, she would sit on her bed with this big old quilt, this big old four-poster bed with this big old quilt, hanging on the wall and these big old lamps that came from a celebrity friend of ours. And I'll tell you more about that story another day. And I was like, mom, what are you doing? And she would get really weepy around Salon. And I was like, what are you doing? And she was like, I'm writing a letter. And then when my basset hound died, which was around Salon, she pulled out a piece of paper and a pen and an envelope. And she was like, I want you to write a letter and we would call it and what she'd call it was letters to the dead. And she's like, every year I write a letter to someone that I loved 
and tell them how the year is going. And God, I'm getting weepy just talking about it. I'm so sorry, guys. And she would write a letter to the person who had passed and she would light it into the bonfire that my uncle Mike was burning out at the barbecue and just put it in there and just watch the embers go. And then she felt better and you could see that she felt better because this message went up in flames and up into the universe or wherever I'm hoping intention is a beautiful thing and so what she would do is write letters to the dead and that's what I still do to this day and you can do that too so right before Samhain write a letter to your departed one that is recent And one a year is enough. Just the one person that year is enough. You don't want to go overboard. And it is very cathartic and it's very emotional. And if you feel like you need to write more than one, go for it. If you have more than one person that's passed on that you want to say goodbye to or tell them how things are going, go for it. I stick with one because one is enough. But this year I might be writing two or three. So if you get the chance right before Samhain, if you have the chance, we had a cauldron. We had a huge metal cauldron, cast iron cauldron out in our backyard. And um, God, that thing was huge. Everybody thought it was a stage prop that we had gotten from a sale in Hollywood. And we probably did. Knowing my uncle, yeah, we got it at a yard sale at some sort of Hollywood prop factory or something. But it was in our backyard for God knows how long. And sometimes she would light them and put them in there but most time if we were having a barbecue that's where they'd go and so what I encourage you to do is that if you've been feeling a little bit down because there's people that aren't around write letters to the dead it might be something you might want to think about doing just saying was going to tell you a really creepy horror story ghost story that I went through then I noticed how much I rambled on my family and I didn't feel like editing it because it was really emotional for me so it's I guess the word tonight is cathartic so anybody who remembers this magical word cathartic and sends me a text on my Instagram at antipanpan on Instagram you know, maybe I'll do you a one card pull from my Oracle deck and talk to you. You never know. I live off of my gram of instance, not the book of the face. (laughs) So I don't know. So the word of the night, the special word of the night, Uh, I was going to talk about a certain hotel that I was at that was haunted and my lovely family took me to. And it was actually one of the most scariest. I might as well just shoot it with you right now. I've got four minutes to kill. And so once upon a time, no kidding, there I was. I was at this old ancient Victorian hotel that's in Southern California. My father and my mother actually went together because my dad, even though he was heavily Catholic, he was also heavily into ghost hunting. And my mother and my father, they took me to this place. I was 9, 10, no older than 11. And they had found out the magical room that was supposed to be super uber haunted. 
and there was this window above the door and they literally pushed me into this old ancient door window and chucked three cameras at me and said, okay, get footage, get pictures. How's the weather in there? Now I'd like to say in the city that we were in that it was summer and was sweltering and was super super hot it was about 114 degrees outside that day was one of the hottest night 100 hottest days of the year sorry I flubbed but it was one of the hottest days of the year and this room was this nauseating avocado green and yellow dingy windows and felt cold like a meat locker. It was approximately 60 degrees when I looked at the thermostat at the time. And I took pictures and I felt nauseous being in there and I could literally feel chills being in that room. And this was the room that was haunted. They didn't want people to see the room. I understand why, because it was nauseating. And this avocado green and this puke baby poo yellow. And I was like, I would like to get out now. Oh, we'll just unlock the door and we'll let you out. And I tried to unlock the door and I could not. And they figured, oh, well, you're just, you know, just unlock this one. I tried 17 different ways to unlock that door and I could not unlock that door. And it was getting colder and colder and colder in that room and I took all the pictures I could with the three cameras I had and I was like okay this is not getting this is not funny anymore let me out let me out of this room it's getting cold in here and I could hear my parents freaking out on the other side because they thought what would be fun at this time now is no longer fun and we'll just unlock the door sweetie I can't unlock the door it's getting cold in here my father actually knee-jerk reaction he saw the maid well yeah maid I'm gonna say maid and said you know the classic thing that you always want to say to people when you're a paranormal investigator is hi my daughter's an idiot she crawled up there all by herself yeah sure I did and she snuck through there could you let her in could you let her out oh yeah sure no problem they opened it they took the pass key or whatever it was click 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 opened the door and when they opened the door they turned on the light which I could not turn on by the way I could not turn that light on and it was so cold in that room I could see the fog coming from my breath okay but then they turn the lights on and everything is white and vibrant there is no avocado green anywhere and here I am feeling like a complete and utter idiot. And oh, look, the temperature. It's 70 degrees in that room. 69, 70 degrees. And I'm like, it wasn't like this a minute ago. And I walked out. I think, yeah, I was definitely 11 now thinking about it because I was mad. <laughs> and my mom and dad, they're like, okay, we're not doing that again. And this was before my mom and dad officially, officially split up or separated. And my mother for the whole time when we we took the film to go get developed and everything i told her dude there was stuff there you don't even know it was cold it felt dark it was baby poop avocado and dingy yellow not a shred of dingy yellow when they turned the lights on of course and great just great and my mom basically was like yeah okay it was all in your head I'm like no it wasn't you're not listening to me. And then she developed the film and she literally was like, yeah, this is avocado 
and baby puke yellow. I was like, yeah, where'd that color go when you came in? She's like, I don't know. And there were spots all across all three cameras. All three cameras had dots and orbs and spots and not, my mom was a photographer. She had already air canned all of those lenses. So let me tell you, that was scary. That was one of the scariest experiences. It would not probably have been a scary experience, except for the fact that my illustrious parents who were thinking that, you know, hey, ghost hunting can be fun, but hey, word of caution, don't chuck your kid over the window of the door to get in and take pictures of your spooky, spooky things. Just a hint, do as I say, not as I do, because that was one of the scariest experiences I ever had because I felt like I couldn't get there from here. So word of the wise, do not take your children or do not go and go blindly into the night to go hunt for ghosts when you may actually see one. So on that note, it is now the evening and I must go do things to be adult. I must go be adult now and I will see you guys later and I wish you all Zen hugs until next time. We will talk more about Halloween and ghosts and spooky, spooky things later, but until now Zen hugs. Bye-bye.